We did it. We made it to episode number 20 of the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame podcast. And like any good MC or host of a stand-up night, we're just going to keep this comedy train rolling. It's been an incredible 20 episodes. We've talked to almost 50 guests, Canadians who work in film, TV, Canadians on TikTok, social media, actors, producers, writers, directors, people in sketch, improv, stand-up. It's been unbelievable. I want to first off, thanks to all the producers, organizations, award shows who let me, this guy from Brockville, Ontario, Canada, come in and ask my, my questions and engage with all these incredibly talented Canadians. It's been an awesome ride. And uh, I can't see, I can't wait to see where the next 20 episodes take us. Let's not get ahead of ourselves because we have one heck of an episode for, for number 20. Uh, coming up in just a bit, my interview with Allison Dorr. Allison is the founder of Howl and Roar Records. She is also a host on Sirius XM Canada Talk. She does the afternoon shows from three to five on there, Sirius XM. 167. We'll talk to Allison in a bit about all the cool stuff she's doing, about how she got her start in comedy uh, and where she sees Canadian comedy going. But first, if you haven't seen the show Gary and His Demons on Prime Video, Amazon Prime Video, what are you doing? This show is hilarious. It's a little bit of horror, a little bit of comedy actually a lot of comedy it's anime it's very funny it's animated and it's created by mark little mark is a canadian gem he's he's somebody i've wanted to talk to on this show for a while many of you probably know him from the show mr d he's very very funny i loved engaging with him he was joined by the director of gary and his demons josh o'keefe and this was just a fun chat about a show uh that's a super fun show to watch uh, i loved it if you haven't seen it season two came out last week on amazon prime video and it lives up to season one if you've seen season one it's pretty lofty goals but this this season is is unbelievable it was a really fun chat here it is my chat with josh o'keefe and mark little from gary and his demons on the canadian comedy hall of fame podcast I love shows that have like randomness and, and make references to something where I have to research. And you guys do that right off the top at season two, uh, where you referenced uh, NBC's Animal Practice. Was, was one of you a fan of NBC's Animal Practice? <laughs> I'm so glad you picked out that joke. Um, no, no, not a you fan. Did? I just, uh, I just... I just, um, we established in season one that Marito has kind of like a really broad sitcom right. tastes. So I was just trying to find the perfect sitcom that was like, that he would be upset was canceled. Um, yeah, that's the one I landed on. And there's I've never, nothing- I've never seen it, but I assume okay. it's something he'd love. There's nothing like a nine episode uh, sitcom to <laughs> reference um, where the second billing of the sitcom was was Crystal the Monkey by the way. So I thought that was hilarious. Bobby Lee was in it too. Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah. It's, I'm sure it was fine, but I think what I love about that one is that even if you don't know it exists or don't believe that it's a real one, you can picture it as an NBC sitcom. You can oh, picture yeah. veterinarians in like silly situations. And then yeah, you can picture what Marito says is the tagline, which is 
these people are great with animals but when it comes to human relationships that's another story <laughs> I, I never seen it but instantly i thought scrubs in a veterinary clinic that was yeah, my yeah. instant that they were like trying to you know go on the scrubs fame not to like plug nbc because this show has moved to amazon prime which i'm sure uh you guys are, are very excited about being on on prime video do, do you know like how did that come about uh the move the move to to prime that yeah that's a behind the scenes move that um i'm not even all that up on i don't think either of us is but josh bowen at look mom mm -hmm. productions just sort of made it happen yeah. i think because we were already uh we'd already developed a little bit of season two i think financially and creatively we're already invested in making it that um josh from look mom productions was just on the hustle i think he was knocking on a few doors but uh, it's been so awesome working with Prime Video, very receptive and they get it. So uh, yeah, hopefully we get a season three. That'd be great. It's one of those cool shows to like. Sometimes when I'm talking to comedians and stuff, they can be a little cynical about TV. But every time I mention Gary and his demons, they're always excited and say how awesome it is. So I think that's that's a testament to the show. What what inspired creation of, of this series? I don't know. It was just... It just sort of came about. <laughs> I'm not really sure. Like uh, I used to be in the sketch group Picnic Face and um, I did a bunch of improv and sketch and I would always do sort of silly fantasy world stuff. Um, you know, I was explaining to Josh like just stuff where, <laughs> not good stuff, but stuff where it would just be like, a wizard is your roommate <laughs> yeah. and he's upset that you use the orb. You know, <laughs> or like uh, a genie comes from a gun and he's going to try and convince you not to kill yourself, but he's going to do a bad job. Um, and uh, so, yeah, that combination of like dark real world stuff, silly fantasy stuff. I don't know why I gravitate towards that, but I do. I I was going to say, I did read somewhere that you created the show. I think you broke your ankle or something. You were in the hospital and you got a phone call uh, and you're at a low point uh, and you just kind of pitched this randomly. Uh, I'm always fascinated about what is about those dark low points in people's lives that creates good comedy? Well, let me tell you, if you want to know about low points, wait till this you get the low everything. <laughs> the low Oh, and you only live in the low. There's so many points to pick from. Mark's had a lot of really good ideas recently. So that must mean he's in a bad Yeah, he's yeah. going, yeah, yeah. Josh has seen me when I, uh, when I get like writer's block, just slamming my ankle into brick walls, trying to break that thing so I can experience another fruitful low. Yeah. But uh, I, I, with this one, yes, I was in the hospital. I'd broken my ankle. Josh Bowen, referencing him again mm -hmm. at Look Mom, very persistent, nice guy, was reaching out to me a lot at the time, asking if I had ideas for animated short shows, like five minutes, possibly 10 minutes, but they weren't yet making uh, series. They were making like YouTube short series or whatever. Um, and I was in like kind of a bratty mood, I think, upset about my ankle. So I just fired off five quick, like one-line ideas almost like you don't talk to a producer who's gracious enough to, to offer to make a show with you in yeah. that way you know like I was being so dismissive of the entire thing I was like I'm upset I don't want to do this anymore so I was just like I don't know this 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 what's crazy is um you know this idea was one of them uh a, a demon slayer is not allowed to he's like 
done his 30 years. He's supposed to be allowed to retire. He's not allowed. They're not allowing him to retire. <laughs> he's miserable. So just like that pretty clearly related to a guy not in a good place in his life. Uh, but what's crazy is that another one of those five ideas is now another show that I'm developing. So uh, that's Corbin and the Squirrels, Josh. Oh. That was also a broken ankle idea. So um, what's it? you got three more on that list. We needed. Yeah, I got it. And I then you're going to have to break another ankle. You gotta get the list. <laughs> you're gonna have to break another uh yeah another limb after that speaking to you now i've 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 seen your i've seen your stand up before i couldn't picture you as the voice of gary which i think is a testament to your your voice acting skills that um you you yes. you portrayed the character so well um uh, where did the voice of gary come from did you have to work on that voice or as you were writing and creating the series, was that always the voice in your head? Yeah, that was always the voice. I did a, uh, a web series with my friend like 10 years ago called dad drives. And uh, it's just like my friend and I are the same age, but I play his dad. And uh, the premise is that he's moved home, but he's not allowed to use my car. So I have to drive him everywhere he wants to go. And then it's just like conversations in this car. It was just like a really fun, cheap way to make, you know, a series. So we did like 10 episodes of that. And you can watch, especially from one episode, like episode one to three, the voice slowly goes from being like a plausible, gruff human man voice to more and more <laughs> of a Muppet cartoon. It was basically just male Marge. <laughs> male <laughs> Marge is great. Yeah. I think that voice is just male Marge. It's like somewhere between Cookie Monster and Marge. Um, but yeah, so the the character was developed through that series. And then I just did it everywhere. I, I did a podcast called My Gorgeous Son with my old comedy partner, Andy Bush and Everardo Ramirez. And we just like did a bunch of episodes where I played a dad forcing his son to do a podcast so that he could improve his life. <laughs> and I was also doing that voice. And then I did that voice in a sketch comedy demo. So I've done that voice as four different characters to the point where I have to stop doing that voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know if you know this, but that voice also comes out when you play basketball as well. When you miss a shot, Larry <laughs> comes out then. I think it's just that it's buried in you. Is that right? Is that real? Yeah. yeah. I go, oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That you're learning that that is a subconscious voice in your head. Yeah, I've always had like a gruff mode. Gruff mode. <laughs> what genre would you classify this show, Josh? Uh, it definitely has like, I, I know you're a fan of like B-rated horror movies and um, anime is, is obviously a, a part of this comedy for sure. Um, I was talking to my friend about this. We were just like, we can't genre this show. Not a bad thing. I think it's kind of cool that it doesn't have a specific genre. Do, do you have a specific genre for the show? Uh, not Mark might be able to answer this question more than me. I don't really see genre anyway. I just yeah. like mix it all up. It's like an office sitcom. It's, uh, it's uh, a demon hunting show, sci-fi <laughs> fantasy kind of thing. Yeah, I don't fantasy. know, Mark, do you have a genre for this show? Fantasy parody, yeah. office sitcom, something like that. Yeah, definitely like, definitely it's like a fantasy world, fantasy genre parody, you know? So yeah. it fits in with other fantasy genre parodies. Like, <laughs> I 
struggling to come up with any for some reason, but there's <laughs> lots. <clears throat> um, but uh, yeah, um, in terms of like what we push for, I care a lot more about comedy than I do about fantasy. Mm. Comedy is like, that's all that I want this to be. You know, I read some fantasy, but I'm not like crazy for it, which you know, maybe shows up in the show, <laughs> but uh, I I just want it to be funny. You know, like I, my background is like, I love parody comedy. I grew up watching like Naked Gun, Airplane, um, like Austin Powers, uh, like all of those sort of very stupid early farce parody movies. I made a movie with my uh, old sketch troupe called Roller Town, which is a parody of like roller skating movies from the late seventies, early eighties. So like, yeah when it, when we got into this world it was like yes it's going to be a parody of like it's going to be like exist in a fantasy world and we want the fantasy rules to make sense so that the whole show doesn't just like fall apart every episode but first and foremost it's just an excuse to do jokes awesome uh thanks so much one more very quick question for you mark this is the canadian comedy hall of fame you've won like 15 canadian comedy awards where do you keep your beavers um <laughs> They're all so heavy. <laughs> this is the Gosh, heaviest. If you don't know the beavers, what do you call the Canadian Comedy Award? <laughs> yes, that's right. Yes, yes. That wasn't just a sudden pivot yeah, to the yeah. lewdest question in the world. Um, <laughs> I, here all day, I yeah. keep my beavers in the closet, Bluebeard style. <laughs> um, I, uh, I, I don't, they're so heavy. So I think I have a, they're like truly the heaviest award in the history of, yeah. in the history of show business. Um, <laughs> needlessly heavy. I remember one time, not okay, but I was working on a show and uh, the person in charge of that show was not there and we won a Canadian comedy award. And there was a bunch of us who were just like actors and <laughs> we were going to a party that night and this award was so fucking heavy. <laughs> and so we just like left it there. <laughs> And this guy got so mad at us. Oh, yeah. Thank God. Thank God that I skirted the door. It was not directed at me. And I was like, thank God. It was directed at someone else. But I was like, we couldn't carry that around all night. It was too heavy. So yeah. where do I keep my beavers in a, in a underground, in a, in a reinforced safe that can withstand the weight of all of them? The beaver makes a great doorstop. Thank, thanks so much, Josh and Mark. Love the show. Uh, I appreciate the time. Uh, yeah, cheers. Th this was great. Thanks again. Thanks so much. There it is. Mark Little and Josh O'Keefe. Really, really fun time talking to those guys. Gary and His Demons is out now on Amazon Prime Video. It is a hilarious show. You will not be disappointed. It is like one of those shows that you can just binge in a whole night. Like once you get onto it, you won't be able to get off. Very great. And there it is. Uh, another person who's collected many beavers. Uh, the beaver is a theme here. We did talk to Deborah G. Giovanni in, I think, episode four about where she keeps her beavers. So we'll keep that theme going through to the next ep 20 episodes. Again, this is episode 20 of the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame podcast. If you want to find out more about the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame, you can check us out at CanadianComedyHall.com. Coming up very shortly, we'll release the nomination process for this year's Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame. Uh, you can see all that information. All that information is going to be made available on our social medias and our website as well. So check that out. Okay, coming up next, it's Allison Dore. Now, Allison is a serious XM host. Uh, you may know her from Canada Talks, the afternoon drive show to, uh, from 3 to 5 there on channel 167. 
on SiriusXM, but she's also the founder of Howl and Roar Records. This is an incredible record label that is just producing out amazing, amazing comedy records, uh, including two of them that are nominated this year for Junos. I will talk about that with Allison. I'll talk about the state of comedy with Allison, and we will talk a little bit about her her brother, who is the incredible John Doerr. I hope you enjoy it. Here it is, my interview with Allison Doerr on the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame podcast. How great is it interviewing Canadians? I mean, I've done it on this show. I had Mark Little uh, Wednesday. I interviewed for uh, the new season of Gary and His Demons, and amazing, nicest guy ever. He's um, a sweet angel. Yeah, he. I mean, I haven't had an issue with interviewing a Canadian celebrity personality for the most part. I mean, yeah, I'm sure there's some, but now I'm trying to think about it. I'm like, have, have any, but no, for the most part, you're right. Mm-hmm. And it's the one thing that I understand and I like, but also sort of makes me insane is the level of like pathological humility. Um, cause I think it comes back to the way as Canadians, we view our own talent and industry. And so sometimes I want to be like, just admit you're good. Yeah. Just own the fact that you're good at stuff. Um, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, who wants to hang out with someone who's like, I'm great. Did you know that? <laughs> yeah. So. I yeah. It, but in this industry, you you kind of have to like sell yourself and do that a little bit, but none of them yes. ever do. And yeah. I find like sometimes Canadians are just, we're so polite. They're not lo- looking to interject. They're just like, okay, I will answer your question. And then I will wait for the next question. It doesn't get, lend to that conversation as much mm. when I'm into, when I'm interviewing uh, somebody in the c- Canadian industry, which is, which is funny. Cause like, you know, I do stand up comedy and I'm in the green room and I, I get a very different back and forth than than on this. It's like a different mode for people. Oh, a thousand percent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And it, it also I think people it's interesting. I can tell when people because I interview a lot of people who are like new in the industry, like we work with a lot of publicists and. Um, we're really big on showcasing Canadians. Right. And so a lot of the time when publicists are working with someone new, um there's not a lot of media opportunities for them and we'll have them on. And it's interesting when they get bigger and you can tell they've gotten media training Mm. because I'm like, the first time I interviewed you, we had a great time. You were really honest. We got into a lot of stuff. And then all of a sudden the answers become much more perfunctory and like very well aware that like, Oh, people are listening. And I understand that kind of concept of be, being somewhat careful of what you say, but it also becomes like robotic mm-hmm. and, and okay, so now you're, but just be normal when you say it, you know, or you've got to inject something of yourself into it, um, especially doing the type of interviews we do, which is a more long form, right? If you're doing kind of traditional terrestrial radio or like TV, that's a four minute interview. You can have those very media trained answers, but when you're talking for 20 or more minutes, you have to be a person. Be a yeah, person. absolutely. I wonder if it, like I find too, it's like who they're doing the project for, like whatever network or media mm. outlet the project is gonna be on really determines that. Like um, Amazon Prime has been really good to me. Uh, mm. They've they've invited me to they're all great. their their things, which I'm like, I am very small time. I am not a, but they, they invite me and they put me on the their list and 
all their junkets are amazing and people I feel like are really free to talk and you know where other outlets I've done stuff for I don't get the same kind of reaction and I, and I wonder if the network they're on has anything to do with that that probably does have something to do with it and interestingly I notice it the most with musicians mm. yeah. once they get signed by like a big label they're I'm like what what's happening did you get a big speech did you have to watch a video about me media um and again I get it it's a business but at the same time yeah it would be it I I feel like the more someone is willing to talk and you know who is actually really good about this is Billy Baldwin when <laughs> when that mic turns on in a way he's fake as hell but he's really good at telling stories. And if you ask him a question he doesn't want to answer, he literally just sort of slides into a different story and kind of just lets it go by, like just answers a completely different question, but tells you an entertaining story that that you almost don't even notice. Like, oh, hey, that's has nothing to do with what I asked. And that to me is like the best way to do it, mm. which obviously takes time and um uh, you know, he's been doing it his whole life, so he's really good at it, but it is something that, um, my dog just, that's, that's, he's that's mad totally at Billy cool. Baldwin. They're in a, yeah, yeah. Fight he was and, not expecting uh, a Billy Baldwin reference. Yeah. I'm sorry, Chili. <laughs> I'm sorry. We're not. Yeah. Don't say Steven in front of him. <laughs> he's Trust definitely me. not Alec. Um, yeah. Yes, it's a questionable situation, but yeah, yeah it, it's so interesting to me to kind of watch how different people answer different questions. And I think part of the thing with Canadians is, again, it goes back to this like extreme humility that is a national issue. And I think people don't realize that in order for the audience to kind of connect with you and start to care, like you have to put a little bit more of yourself into it. And some people are naturally very good at it. And some people I think are just really guarded sometimes, which again is understandable. Yeah. You had, you had a great listening yesterday, Brett Kissel on your, yeah. he is a great interview. Uh, he makes it so easy too, mm -hmm. because you could just, you almost don't have to be there. Yeah. And, yeah. and he's, but again, he's a kid, well, he's a 32 year old man, but he's a kid that he started when he was like 12. Mm -hmm. He started getting like some national recognition when he was like 20. And so by now he's pretty far into it, but it is interesting. Like yesterday he did tell us some things that were personal, but at the same time, you can tell like a lot of his answers are crafted, Yeah, but yeah. he's good at it. Mm -hmm. He's good at it because he reveals a bit but like not too much yeah he's he's one that hockey night in canada always i feel like he's always on there they're always like rolling out brett, brett kissel um but i feel like he pertains to a, a large audience base so um yeah i mean he, it, it country in canada is a really different beast from everything else in music and it's got more of a devout following absolutely. but it also feels like country music in canada has more specific parameters than it does in the US. Like it's mm -hmm. still very much big country fans will know what I mean. It's still very much that 90s country sound. Yeah. That absolutely. that country radio in Canada wants, right? Mm -hmm. And um yeah, it's very interesting. But again, like yeah, he's he's polished but he's personable and 
I think he's really good at being a public persona. In November, I went to, at the end of November, I went to two comedy shows back to back. One night I saw Zabrina Douglas. Um, the and the next, the, the next night I saw your brother, John Doerr, both in, in Toronto. It's uh, like you planned it. It's like I planned it. And then they both ended up getting Juno nominations on your record label. Was, was this the first Juno nominations for Howl and Roar? We last year, Gavin Stevens was nominated. Gavin, right. Okay. And that was our first one. Right. Um, and so, yeah, they're, they're two and three. Awesome. That must've been crazy exciting for, for you and, and everyone. It is. Yeah, it is really exciting because I think the Junos, again, they're interesting. Like they're sort of the most recognized award in Canada, right? It's something that, again, we're we're not good at celebrating our own here. Mm -mm. And so, you know, even with like the Canadian Screen Awards, um, also because of like rebranding from when the two awards merged and all that kind of stuff, I feel like there's not quite as much recognition, but the Junos are more globally known. Yeah. And so it 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 really matters. And when it comes to comedy in Canada, there's no respect. There's barely an industry. There's so much struggle. And so to have the comedy award come back, um, because it was one of the original awards and then it went away for 30 years. And then it came back a few years ago. It's honestly one of the only things that is a real marker and a, and a universally recognized, oh, oh, okay, you achieved something. Mm. Like you, it's a very interesting kind of situation to be in because awards are, look, they're so subjective. It's still part of something. But for the most part as a comedian in Canada, there's not a lot of things you can point to as here's a real evidence of achievement. And the Juno does that. And so it's, it is really exciting. And it's mostly, I'm just excited for the people who get nominated. And like, especially in Sabrina's case, she is so funny. Mm. She has five kids. A nurse. She yeah. is a full-time nurse. She does not sleep. Every time you see her in person, she's always exhausted. Mm -hmm. And then she gets on stage and gives it. And then half the time, cause she works overnights because she's got kids and she's, so she does a show and then goes to work. Yeah. And yeah. she is someone that I remember years ago having a conversation with her outside some open mic. And she was really struggling because she's taking time away from her kids. She's exhausted. And she was early on in, in the comedy process. And, you know, it's a slow, it's a slow build to try and create a career. And she didn't know she was doing the right thing. And she kind of dipped out for a bit. And I remember telling her like, listen, you following your dreams. Like, I know it must be hard because this is, you are taking time away from your kids, right? You're, you're, kind of out doing this thing and is there a purpose is it going to go anywhere and I was like but you like following a dream is such an amazing example to set for your kids and um you know I just I kind of tried to make her feel better because it was like she she has always made me laugh she's one of those naturally funny people that 
knows how to tell a story. And so now years later, to see her get that recognition of achievement, right? Like to see her get the nomination of, it's like a level of validation that I think is really important because I don't know that anyone works harder than she does when you put yeah. in all the hours and all the different jobs that she has. When I saw her, she was, uh, we were in Blue Mountain um, and she was doing just like a random Wednesday night. It was a corporate gig in Blue Mountain where she had to like work clean and talking to her beforehand. She was like a little worried about mm -hmm. about that. And, uh, but she she killed it. Absolutely. I think she did like 30 minutes and and, and rocked it. So very happy for her. Absolutely. And there's something to be said about people who uh, kind of a little later in life start chasing their dreams. I yes. feel like I'm one of those yes. people. I know you're one of those people who's kind of like in your, I guess, early 30s is when you started to like really find your passions at, at I some mean, point. I think I I, I had found them be long before that, but mm -hmm. I was um, busy doing drugs. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so in my early 30s is when I actually... Uh, got out of rehab and went all right now it's it's getting real I'm getting older um and and to be honest it was the recognition of there are dreams I'm not fulfilling that helped me go to rehab because I was like mm. I I always had big dreams of being a performer when I was a teenager um and even when I was a little kid like that was always acting and that was my real focus and um, yeah, I mean, when you start doing drugs a lot, it's, uh, hard to leave the house. Um, and then standup was the thing that kind of stayed with me through that time because it's so easy. You mm. just show up somewhere one night and do some jokes and leave. There's not a big commitment. Whereas, you know, I think the last play I did before that, well, I missed a lot of rehearsals, you know, I almost got the boot. And mm -hmm. it's because the commitment to showing up um, every day w is hard in, in those times. But whereas with stand-up, yeah. And if it's an open mic and you don't show up, people aren't going to blackball you. You know what no. I mean? They're yeah. going to be like, okay, but next time, just show up. Yeah. Yeah. Come on out. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. We had to do an extra lotto spot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. It's you yeah. can get away with a lot in this industry. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so yeah. And, and all the other comics are pumped because there's two lottos that night. Mm. They're all jacked up. Yeah. And then so when I kind of came back to it and I mean, acting is a harder thing to get back into. Again, stand up. You can just go out every night, but especially because I was living in Toronto. You can just go out every night and do it. And so it was. Uh, yeah, that's when more effort came into it for sure. And then, but you do have that feeling of like, is it too late? Yeah, yeah. It, uh, yeah. Should I become an accountant? Because yeah. I messed this up. And by the way, I should not. I have no aptitude for numbers or spreadsheets, but um, you just feel like, you know, the deeper I got into my 30s when I'm working all these random jobs and doing stand-up and trying to cobble together enough money to live and you feel like when you look at all your normie friends and they're getting married mm. and which is something that I've never wanted to do anyway, but it's like they're doing grown-up things. They're buying a house. They're um, 
achieving. How'd you get your start uh, doing stand-up? So I was always chilly. He's been so quiet all morning <laughs> until I'm talking to you. And then he's like, I have a lot to say also. It's a, um, I know when she got her start in stand-up. So he's like, it was before I was born. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was always an actor um, as a teen. And it's so funny. I can remember sitting in the subway on Maryville Road with my brother and I I think I was like 18 and he was I was 17 or 18 he was like 20 or 21 and he was like yeah I think I want to be a performer too like I think and he got into comedy first and which makes sense because he was he was always really funny as a kid and then when he had been doing it for a few years he was always encouraging me to do it and I was like absolutely not I am not funny that way that's not and he he would always say, no, there's, you're either funny or you're not. Like, there's no funny that way. Mm. And he always, I mean, to this day, he is probably the person that thinks I'm the funniest. And so, yeah, he was always, I always say he forced me to do it and which he hates because that's not his person. He would never force anyone to do anything. And so he doesn't like it when I say that. Um, but he basically just, you know, encouraged me forever. And then finally I was like, okay, I'll try it one time. And so I think it was like 21 when I finally tried it. And then I would say the curse was the first few times I did it, it went pretty good. Mm. And if I had bombed the first time I did it, I don't think I would have gone back because bombing feels so bad. But the first, yeah, the first little while, it went good enough. You know what I mean? It wasn't brilliant, but it was good enough. And then then you get that high and then you're addicted to it. And then by the time the bombing came, I craved the good times too much yeah. to stop doing it. And uh, and then I was stuck for like 15 years. And then when I got into radio, I realized like interviewing people and that kind of stuff was really where I mean, it was the job I never knew I always wanted. It was everything. And stand up, I always kind of had a bit of a love hate relationship with and and it became less important um, as I got into radio. And then by the time I decided to start the label, it was, I was too busy, I had too many things. And I was like, yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm out. And yeah. so I haven't done stand up in probably five years. And uh, after like 15 years of doing it. And uh, I have to say, I love not doing it. <laughs> I, I always say like, People are like, oh, you must be like when you do stand up, that must be a weird type of person or like you must really enjoy it to go go up on stage and do it. I'm like, no, every time I drive to the comedy club, I feel dread. I mm. feel a sense of once I'm there, I'm fine. But that yes. drive to it is it's like, a, why am I doing is, this? What am I doing? And yeah. you're surrounded by comics. There's, there's so many comics who love it in a way that I never understood. Mm. And I remember interviewing Gilbert Gottfried once and we're talking and 
he was like the first, especially like pro well-known comic that was like, no, every time I'm on the way to the club, I'm hoping they cancel the show. Yeah. And he's like a perfect weekend for me would be if a pipe burst in the club and they're like, no, you're still going to get paid, but you don't have to do it. Oh my God. He was like, that's, that's what I'm hoping happens every time. And I was like, okay, thank you. Yeah. Because when you're in it and it's going great, there's nothing better. But yeah, for me, like the anticipation and the, I was always like, what am I doing? And then when it went bad, oh, yeah. I, I I was always like, why am I doing this? What am I doing? Like, I never felt like I loved it the way other people loved it. And obviously, like, comedy has been a huge part of my life my entire life. And I have such a great love for it. And I have such a respect for it. But it was, I think, other comics just love it in a way that seems so unnatural to me like so foreign to me mm. um and it was so it was really validating when Ge- gilbert who was literally this is why this is what he was famous for was like yeah no no once i'm in it it's fine but leading up to it i don't want to and i was I, like, I had gilbert coming on the show uh and then he, he passed away. Unfortunately, yeah. he was going to come on to talk about Norm. So uh, I really like, uh, you know, that I never got to, the chance to speak to him, but he, he's one of my favorites for sure. What do you remember the first room you did in Ottawa? I do stand up oh, in course. Ottawa. What, what, what was the spot? Oh, well, because back then there was only one room. Was it, it was Yuck's Yuck's on Elgin? open mic night. It not on, it was not on Elgin. Then it was on okay. Albert street in right. the bottom of the Capitol Hill suites. And when you first started, you were allowed to call in for one spot a month mm-hmm. on the open mics. And then when they felt like you were progressing, you were allowed to call in for two spots. Oh. And there was really no other rooms. I think not long after that, like someone started doing like an open mic at Patty's Pub on Bank. And there was like a short lived room called the Umbrella Room. Oh, yeah. I've heard somebody else talked about that, that room on here. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, but I mean, people just that knew, knew nothing about the industry that thought it'd be fun to have a comedy club, but like mm-hmm. did no research into right. the petty jealousy and possessiveness of this industry. And, um, and so, yeah, it was, Yucks was the, f- I mean, the, the first few years yeah. of my career was just that that room yeah um, how, how did the jump to Sirius uh happen like when did when did that because you accident. were yeah complete yeah it was uh most of my success in life has largely been an accident um I had met I uh, I was um doing a, a weekend at Absolute in Ottawa and I'd worked with another comic that I did not know before um and then we ended up talking later on and he was like do you want to start a podcast and like literally this was a point where I was three or four years out of rehab I'm I was working overnights at the score doing closed captioning Mm. on sports I was cater waitering and I was doing stand-up as much as I could were you doing that closed captioning in Ottawa was that no this was okay in toronto Toronto. yeah i know there was a closed captioning house in ottawa that people worked at yeah yeah anyways yeah sorry it's um it's a fairly flexible thing that 
is pretty easy to do. Mm -hmm. And so people have kind of found their way into it. But no, this was in Toronto. And um, yeah, so I'm like super broke and nothing is really going. And and so I was like, yeah, let's throw another thing at this. Um, And then we, um, and it was uh, his idea, but we pitched Sirius XM and we just happened to get in touch with them at a time where they had launched a new talk channel and spent all the real money on real people and still needed more shows, um, but people who would work cheap. And we ended up getting a three-month trial contract. Um, and then this May will be my 10-year anniversary there. Oh, that's unbelievable. That's awesome. And so, yeah, it was really one of those flukes. And I feel so bad because sometimes you know, people who want to get into radio will be like, so how do I? And I'm like, no, I don't know. I have no <laughs> yeah, idea. That's radio. I took actually my diploma from Algonquin mm-hmm. College is in radio. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we graduated with like 30 people in my class. Two of them are working in radio now. Sure. Um, radio is a good base for other things, though, to do well, other stuff. Like and to, to be honest, what I mean, it, years of performing helped inform like that's a skill set you don't even realize you're building up and mm-hmm. and um and then also kind of really being curious about people and I mean I hate people as much as I love them and I love the ideas people as much as I hate it and so it's one of those things where I'm genuinely interested in knowing about people I also love showcasing talent I think that's a, an amazing gift to be able to 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 do that for people and so it was like i all of i, I had a culmination of skills in all the random job i've had every sort of job i've done all that kind of thing and so it's you couldn't put on paper the skill sets i have no credentials but it all kind of melded i think in a way to make me good at this job and then also i love doing it so much that all i've ever wanted to do since i started is be better at it mm-hmm. and um, but also Sirius is a whole other ball of wax. And when you go to radio broadcasting, a lot of that is about terrestrial radio and yeah. that's a whole other world, man. Yeah. And it runs completely differently and it's all, and people are often like, Oh, do you ever think about like going to another station? And I'm like, Oh, I, first of all, I don't know how to do interviews in eight minute chunks. Secondly, like we, the autonomy that we have at Sirius and, and just sort of the way it works, it's like, I don't know how I would transfer into that. And Mm -hmm. so I got very lucky in the sense of like, this is a medium that's really its own thing that I feel uniquely suited to and is uniquely suited to me. Um, And the worst part is sometimes when I'm interviewing people, and especially journalists, they'll be like, well, Allison, you're a journalist, you know. And I'm like, no, 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 <laughs> right in here. No, I am not. Yeah. I am not. I have no qualifications. I am not sussing out the truth. <laughs> I am having conversations with people. Like I'm a facilitator at best. Right. Don't, don't give me credit where it is not due. Um, because again, a lot of serious, like we have those channels and there's people on my channel who are journalists, Yep. but a lot of serious is, you know, opinion based and fun based and, and a very different type of 
talk radio. Like I can't go to like news talk. Mm. What would I yeah. do there? You do uh, traffic and weather on the ones. Uh, I would, would do have. that. I would get <laughs> throw tons it to that. Of I would get tons of hate mail because um, I used to have to talk politics and news stuff before the show became what it is now. Mm-hmm. Oh, people hated me so much. Yeah, they hated yeah. me. Yeah. Because that's the other thing with Sirius, you get a lot of truckers and stuff, a lot of people who are more conservative. And I am the biggest lefty libtard cuck you will ever <laughs> meet. Yeah. And uh, I feel like universal healthcare for everyone and everyone should be who they are and love thy neighbor and and uh, not popular. Right. Yeah. And now what's interesting is now that I talk what is my expertise and what I've spent my whole life learning about, which is entertainment. Um, a lot of those listeners that used to hate me so much like me now because they don't mm. have to listen to me talk Your about politics. how, yeah. 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 And I don't want to talk about it either. I don't, I, first of all, I don't have a political affiliation. I hate all of them. Um, and I think they're all lying, bad people. I vote because you have to. And because Toronto has been screwed by no one voting, we're stuck with John Tory and Doug Ford, <laughs> who are terrible people. And and so it's like I vote because I have to, but I'm also like, no, like I have a listener who will constantly be like, oh, look at Trudeau, you voted for him. I'm like, I've never voted for him. You think I'm like that guy? Yeah. Yeah. Like also, by the way, Trudeau not left enough for me. Thank you very much. Um, but also I'm like, yeah, I get he's a hot dummy. I know. Yeah. Don't- lump me in there um but uh yeah now that i don't have to talk about that they like me a lot more serious is so funny because you can get the complete opposite story opinion everything from the click of one button like sure. you can go from urban views to i don't know what's the one patriot i think oh is yeah the, is the other oh, one no, it's, it's wild yeah it's, they have fox news and stuff too yeah yeah. And they've got CBC right and NPR and like yeah. it's, it's right. So it's whatever your jam is, you can find it. Yeah. And then on Canada Talks, the channel I'm on, it's like the, the morning starts more news and political heavy and then kind of lightens up. And then you get to me and Cassandra and we're basically entertainment morons like <laughs> we're. And so we always say, like, we're the comic relief. Don't come to us like we're the fun break in your day. Do not come to us. Yeah. If you want to know what's happening in the political news, like we're here for a break for you. We're going to be like, uh, you know, really diving deep on what's happening with Brittany right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't come People here if you want to know what the government's doing. Yeah. Like we, that's. Yeah. We don't also, know what the government's doing. And then I'm going to spin into, I always have to watch myself because I'm like, okay, guys. We all agree the Unabomber, bombing people is wrong. You can't do that. That's yeah. very terrible. If you read the manifesto, though, his <laughs> thoughts on technology, accurate. I, that's yeah. all I'm saying. Yeah. And um, I'm like two minutes away from moving to a cabin in the woods and never talking to anyone again. And so uh, it, it's like, you, guys, you don't want to go down that road with me anyway. Yeah. Because my outlook of the future and the state of humanity is bleak, man. <laughs> it's bleak. Let's not talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. It, with AI about- coming. Yeah. I've, I've started doing it, it jokes about AI on stage. Oh. And yeah. It's uh, yeah. It's interesting. I get uh, upset. <laughs> uh, howl and roar. We, we kind of mm-hmm. touched on it earlier. 
where you, you were talking about uh, how you like, I guess, to promote people up and coming. Mm-hmm. You have an incredible roster of some of my favorite comedians. Obviously, John, Zabrina. I love Dakota Ray uh, just oh, off the top of my, my head. She's on a new show, right? Coming out or it's come out. Yeah. I mean, she's she has got so Dakota's so amazing and she's mm-hmm. got so much stuff. Um, she just did a guest spot on Run the Burbs. Mm. Um, she's got her show with Don Kelly on APTN, and then she's got another new show, which I'm blanking on what it is now. Um, that she is one of the main cast of. Um, but she is someone who you're gonna see nothing but more from her. And she's again one of those people Absolutely. so naturally yeah. funny. Like she was someone who um you know, we had a few albums this year where I was like, we have contenders for the Junos. Mm-hmm. And I think so what what I always say um, is because our 70 percent of our focus and output is on women in the industry. And so we're female centric. And then in the remaining 30 percent, we give priority to men in marginalized communities. Um, and the way the reason I worded it that way is because um, my brother is a straight white male. And I always want to work with him if I can. So I wanted mm-hmm. to leave that door open and he will probably end up being our token straight white male. Um, yeah. And uh, but because it's just sort of not our mandate, right? It's like, it's not our, um, but I, John is like, he's my best friend uh he's my favorite person if we can work together i want to um and so but him getting the juno nomination to be honest with you is not really surprising and so i know before i was talking a lot about sabrina and how she deserves it and all that kind of stuff and i'm certainly not saying john doesn't because i think comedically speaking he's brilliant and like he just has his brain works in a way that oh i don't i don't know how he does it Mm-hmm. he's such a weirdo man he and is, he sorry to interrupt he does this thing that i always think about about the birth of his child that he was mm-hmm. doing mm-hmm. recently and just like how he can say things like you know how how hard he worked in the um in the room which yep. normally would come across as unlikable as a straight mm-hmm. white male to say that comes across as so likable the way he says it it's, he, it's unbelievable he has nailed that persona mm-hmm. of um kind of yeah lovable conceited idiot mm, yeah and 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 kind it does go against the grain but then you also realize that in the joke he's making like he's he's on the right right side of things mm-hmm. if, if we can put it that way and um yeah and sometimes he says horrible things that it's like we should not like you for yeah. saying that and we mm-hmm. do yeah and, so likable and it's the other joke i always say is too is like um it's the entertainment industry so nepotism is mandatory so yeah. i had to put him on the label but yeah he that because he is a known quantity in canada and he's got kind of years of popularity and he is so good at what he does like i was i would have been surprised if he didn't get a nomination Mm-hmm. Um, but in, in everyone else, like, I felt like we had a few really strong contenders and Dakota was for sure. One of those, I almost think because her album is so Canadian and so specific, because for people who don't know, it's called I'll give you an Indian act. And it's basically 
jokes she wrote partially about the Indian Act and then partially just about politicians and the state of politics and, and being um, an Indigenous person in Canada today kind of thing. But it's all very funny and she's got yeah. such a sweet, she's also very silly. She's also, um, she's really, yeah, she's she is a special one as well. But I almost feel like it's like because we're in this state of reckoning, even though the album's so funny and so thoughtful, I think maybe people got a bit scared content wise, mm-hmm. because I was, that's, a, if you're going to look at a Canadian album for comedy, I'm like, this is special. This is yeah. next level. Like, um, but I don't know who knows. I mean, who knows what goes into the hearts and minds, but what I always like to clarify with people is because our label works really differently than a lot of labels. And, one of the things that happens in Canadian comedy is a lot of enforced loyalty, which is if you work with us, you can't work with these people. And, and, um, or if you do this show, you can't do that show. And that's something that's always really bothered me because there's not enough work in this country for anyone to do that. And it also doesn't make sense. It's, it's pointless. It's a power play. And so we work on a per project basis. So, okay, we talk about it. We decide you, like you decide you want to make this album with us. Our contract is just for this album because on your next album, if you decide there is someone else that better suits your needs or you decide you want to self-produce or you want to, you're free to do that. Yeah. I don't, I don't own you. We don't, you are never, I never want anyone to have to work with me. I only want people to want to work with me. And when I say me, I mean, it's a team of us. It's me and um, sound engineer, Matt, we met. And then uh, Melanie Dolling, who is not only a hilarious comedian, comedian, but um, has now become second in command at Howlin' Roar and is just a life-saving, magical human being. And so, but, but it's never a case of, well, you're signed to our label. No, nope we worked on a project together and now you do whatever you want to do. And lots of people come back and lots of people don't. And that's okay because whatever is right for you is what I want you to do. But, but we are lucky that we've worked with a lot of super talented people and we continue to get to do that. And that is really exciting. And because I think there is, you know, we just did, um, we just recorded Meg McKay's second album with us and she, what a magical little elfin human being she is <laughs> so funny and quirky and she's also a weirdo but as a human being she is also so kind and thoughtful and um she's just a like that's a special person mm-hmm. and so the fact that she trusts us and values what we bring to the table a lot of people don't especially what Melanie and I do. Uh, people understand what Matt does in sound engineering right. and, and production. People often go to Matt and sort of try to cut us out of the equation and just work with him. Oh, uh, okay. And and it's like, mm, that We're... it listen, do whatever you want, but that stinks because yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like wow. We're a whole operation. Yeah. Well, and we Melanie and I work so hard and we do so much, but it's the invisible stuff a lot mm-hmm. of the time. Um, but so the fact that, you know, someone like Meg sees it and values it and wants to continue this partnership is incredibly meaningful to to me. And, 
so we are very lucky um, in so many of the people that we get to work with are just incredible human beings as well. Yeah, your your the roster of who you worked with is is amazing. Definitely, it, I, I was thinking just as you were speaking there about working with people in Canada. It's funny how say if somebody was like Zabrina is nominated for this probably the one of the the top comedy album award in Canada, and she's mm-hmm. a full time nurse. Imagine mm-hmm. if that was anywhere else in the in the U.S. Imagine if you know somebody's nominated for the Grammy for comedy yeah. album of the year. And they have a full-time position as a, as a first responder or, or frontline worker right? or something like that. It's just the, the testament to how hard Canadians work uh, and, it's and a, how passionate they are. And it's a thing that the average Canadian does not know. And no. I think they a lot of them consider themselves comedy lovers and they uh, sort of appreciate it. They like going to the club and having a good laugh. They have no idea the state of the industry in this country right now is real bad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the opportunities are few and far between. And it's, I mean, first of all, no one in this country, I don't think, can make a living just telling jokes. You're no, either writing few. on something very or few. you have another job or you, yeah, it's, it's because the, the, uh, you're right. Very few. You got There's, your Ron James, you okay, know, could but, probably do but it, again, but that's. But yeah. Ron James he just had put out TV shows yeah. for years. He's got yeah. books. He's Canadian famous. He is. So to me, that doesn't count. Right. Because yeah. he's not doing it just off comedy. He might, that might be how he's making his money now, but he's had decades of other income. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. so if you're not also working in television or you're not also cater waitering or you're not also being a nurse, no, there's no one who's just headlining clubs right now and making enough money to live. It doesn't, it, it doesn't exist. Yeah. And, and so, um, you know, even if you look like someone, someone like Jerry D who, yeah, he makes great money performing. That's because he's on TV all the time. Yeah. And he's also got TV income and then TV brings out the people, but there's mm-hmm. very few television opportunities for comics in yeah. Canada. And there's a monopoly there as well. And so it's, that's not an equal opportunity space. Um, I will shamelessly plug before I get to my final question that uh, the Juno Awards are in Edmonton. Mm -hmm. Um, Since this podcast has been on, every winner of Comedy Album of the Year has been on this show at some point. So um, I'm going to- You're saying I need to get Sabrina and John on the show. I think, yeah, they they need to come on the show. That's just the trend we have. We have this tradition. Andrea Jin last year came on the show a couple of weeks before, ended up winning. I feel like it's the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame podcast. Okay. Um, More so than, no, obviously not. This is the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame podcast. My final question, as always, um, I know you don't have the list in front of you. You don't know who's in the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame, but who would you put into the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame? Who is your Canadian comedy influences where you're like, yes, these are sure-ins, these are Hall of Famers? Okay, so are we talking all time? Are we talking all current? time? Are we because obviously a couple currents you can go people you admired growing up, right? Um, in the future, you know, if they're if they're this is a future Hall of Famer, this person should be in now, yeah. Okay, well, obviously, I mean, first and foremost, and um, Catherine O'Hara, 
yeah, you know, Catherine, Catherine is in, I went to I, her I induction, but yes, absolutely. I, I know yeah. she's in, but she is, um, I mean, when I, when we were kids, my dad used to tape SCTV mm-hmm. on VHS tapes and like, we just wore out those tapes and she is just such a legend. Um, and so she's a big shaping of my life comedy wise. Um, currently, I mean, stand up is the world I live in the most, obviously. Um, I think there are Rebecca Kohler is one of my favorite comics. I mean, she's also, you know, one of my dearest friends and I've known her forever and I love her so much, but I just think she is, she's so, her writing is so smart and even the silliest joke that she has, there'll be a level of like, oh, but see what she did there? Mm. Like she took that joke about like a gross bodily function, but then it's the way she delivered it. Um, I think she is she is such a genius. Um, you know, Bonnie McFarlane lives and works in the States and has for a long time, but she is also someone who, so funny. Like when she did an album with us and that was shocking to me. Um, I think she is, she is so hysterical and she's a little bit of the, the person who sometimes she says, says stuff that it's like, that's terrible. (laughs) Like you, we should be mad at you. But in reality, it was also so funny that like, she's very kind of sarcastic almost. Mm. Um, Yeah. She, to me is also a brilliant genius writer. Um, also, I, I guess I could probably name dudes too. I like to really keep the focus on the women. Um, I feel like I have to say my brother. Um, your your brother gets a lot when I ask that question. Just off the top of my head, Deborah D. Giovanni mentioned your brother right off the top. Yeah. He gets mentioned a lot when I ask that. Yeah. He, and when I say, I guess I have to, I don't, I know I don't have to, but I assumed he probably did. Here's the thing about John, um, because not only is he like brilliantly funny, he's a really good person. And I think a lot of people don't know fully how good of a person he is because he's always a little bit on or a mm. little bit making jokes although sometimes and i think more so in the last few years um people have gotten to kind of have that that more real experience with him um but part of the reason why i want him to succeed and i I think a lot of comics feel like he already is a huge success but when you know his life inside and out you're like "Mm." It's been a bit of a rough road. Um, Part of the reason why I want him to just be huge is because not only does he have the talent to back it up, but he is literally one of the best people I know. And people think I'm biased because he's my brother, but what we like to tell people, because people are also like um, often comment on how close we are and how we're actually friends as well as siblings. Mm -hmm. We hated each other for much of our young lives what's the age difference um he's three years older than i am okay around when i was 15 and he was 18 we sometimes got along but we would still have 
blowouts. And mm-hmm. and before that, I hated him so much. I remember in grade five telling my friend, because I, I was like, I hate my brother so much. And she goes, yeah, sometimes I hate my sister. And I was like, no, you don't get it. Sometimes you hate her. And I was like, <laughs> I said, I hate my brother <laughs> Every time. more than I hate Hitler. <laughs> and because in grade five, that's the... The this is the most evil yeah. person in the world. And I hate him more than that. Yeah. Um. And then when I was about 18 and he was about 21, like that's when we started being like genuine, getting along and realizing like, oh, I have fun with this person and that kind of thing. And it's like, so I think often, you know, when I really like projects that my brother's done and I'm talking about them, people are like, yeah, but you have to say that he's your brother. And I'm like, no, my brother's been in garbage stuff. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not blind. Yeah. Is he, He's not perfect. I'm not saying that, but he is genuinely such a, he has so much integrity. He's such a thoughtful person that when I think about it, it's like out of every, especially in Canada. And when, and look, if you look at comedy as a whole and you look at the United States and you look at some of the successful men that continue to work, even though we know terrible things about Mm. them and we know, I'm like, if continue my, to be nominated for and win for Grammys, Grammys. And, yeah if my brother does not get that level of success being the decent kind good-hearted thoughtful human being that he is in addition to being just as funny as those guys i'll burn down the planet yeah I don't yeah. care. We're halfway it's, there anyway. I'll just light the match. <laughs> it's it's so wild that he was like convincing you you were funny to get into stand up. And uh, to mm-hmm. this day, my sister who's come to my shows, I've gone to just for laughs. I've done all these things. I still can't get her to say I'm funny. I could never get her <laughs> to the point where she she will come to my shows and laugh. And I was like, how was that? She's like, uh, I liked the other person, you know, just uh, yes. get that. I know she's well, joking. but And it's yeah. so funny because John and I, when we're joking around with each other, we are like, we're very mean to each other. Mm-hmm. And and it's interesting because there's been people who have only seen that side of it that are like, um, and that don't know that it's like, no one supports me more than that guy. Uh, no one supports him more than I do. Um, and so, yeah, it is really funny because then as siblings, we, but yeah, I mean, it would be nice if your sister could admit that you're funny. That would yeah, be, I think, you know what I mean? I, I mean, yeah, yeah. We, I've we, done some cool we, stuff. Yeah, just to yeah, 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 yeah. She should exactly. admit it because, because yeah, John and I, as mean as we are to each other when we're joking around, we're also capable of having very real conversations like we tell each other everything you know Mm -hmm. well he does definitely doesn't tell me everything but he's like i tell you more than i tell anyone else in the world and i'm like yeah but i feel like you leave a lot of stuff out (laughs) get a therapist i don't know yeah 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 Yeah, um because he is it's so weird i have always been i can't stop talking i'll tell everyone everything you want to know the worst thing that ever happened to me i'll tell you don't worry about (laughs) it um and my john is has always been much more private and like guarded and Mm. like um and it's the one area where because we're so similar in so many ways and i'm always like what's with you in the vault like yeah I didn't get a vault. Did you take all the vault genes? I don't know what's (laughs) happening. Thanks so much, Allison, for doing this. I uh, appreciate the heck out of it. Yeah, I'm I'm a a big fan of uh, the albums that you're producing and the the comedy records. And congrats on the success with with Howl and Roar. I think it's I think it's really amazing what uh, what that what that label's doing. So thanks again. 
Oh, thank you so much. It was an absolute pleasure. That was so great talking to Allison. Uh, I mean, what can I say? That's somebody that really gets interviewing and, and knows how to do a good interview. I loved exchanging those stories with her about what makes a good interview, what makes Canadian entertainment, Canadian entertainment, and, and all those insights she had into Canadian comedy. And also congrats to Howlin' Roar Records. Two Juno nominations this year for Comedy Album of the Year. Two of them, Sabrina Douglas, John Doerr, just turning out hit albums one after another check them out it's howl and roarrecords.com you can buy all the the records that they produce right there on the website howl and roarrecords.com incredible incredible record label okay that's it that's it for our show that's episode 20 episode 21 is coming up really soon next week crystal farrier jose peranin it is going to be an incredible episode two very very funny comedians with two unique stories i'm very excited to present that to you thanks again to mark little josh o'keefe gary and his demons is out now on amazon prime video do not miss that show it is hilarious you can stream it right now and thanks to allison door check out allison door sirius xm 167 canada talks 3 to 5 p.m monday to friday an incredible show get your entertainment your canadian entertainment fix on that channel it's it's awesome well, that's it. We'll see you for episode 21. I'm Chad Noonan. Thanks for listening to the Canadian Comedy Hall of Fame podcast. <laughs>